Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to The Word in Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. Here we are on episode 41 of the Word in Youth Ministry. This is one of our podcasts hosted by the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. You can learn more at cpyu.org. And my name is Kyle. I'm a youth pastor in Ohio, and I am joined, as usual, with my friends Matt and Linda. And as we're recording this today, and it'll be released in the Lord willing near future, um, it is the middle of November The holidays are among us, uh, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, and then New Year's. And Linda, I was just curious, as we start this conversation today, youth ministry, Christmas, Florida, what are you most looking forward to with your students? Uh, You know, down in Florida, it doesn't get very cold for Christmas. We... um, we have Christmas parties that we'll do at the beginning of December that are really fun for us. Um, we'll do like breakfast for dinner with the high schoolers and we'll just get to play fun games with all of them. Um, I don't, off the top of my head, I'm like, I don't even know like what particularly we love, uh, what, what's like the most exciting to mention about that, but it's just a fun way to like end the semester and have that kind of celebration and do like, um, a gift exchange with each of them and just have fun, um, to celebrate the end of the semester. Yeah. And especially just as students, I feel like they're like sprinting to get to Christmas break. Mm -hmm. And then that's like a mark in their school year to continue forward. So that sounds like fun. Matt, how about you guys uh, at your church as you guys think about celebrating Christmas? What comes to mind with your student ministry? Well, one of our uh, something that started last year was the Sunday morning logistics coordinator, who's kind of in charge of like setting up the building for different seasons. So um, on this Sunday, so November 20th, we'll start getting ready for the Advent season, which starts on November 27th. And one thing that, um, that she has done this year is, and last year, she's enlisted our youth students to help her set up the tree and decorate it and stuff. And, uh, they had a blast last year doing that. So I'm, that's something that I'm really excited about for our students as they, as we head into kind of the, the awaiting Jesus season of Advent and Christmas. Yeah, Advent is such an exciting time around the life of the church. I know with our students, I I rarely decorate our youth room because it's used by so many different groups throughout the week. I mean, even right now, I think there's a group of uh, our retired age group is having a luncheon down there right now as we record this. And I usually don't decorate, but I told them, I told my students on a Sunday morning that we I hope, are not a lame youth group. So we are not going to have a fake tree this year. We are going to go have a real tree in our youth room, and it's going to be a large real tree. And I am looking forward uh, to seeing what that looks like and to see if our budget can sustain it because I've never bought a large Christmas tree before. But we will uh, we will see when we get there. Uh, but that is not what episode 41 is about. We're not talking about celebrating Christmas with your youth ministry. We are talking about theology. We're thinking about a recent statement that came out, a partnership with Ligonier Ministries. Uh, the name Ligonier might ring a bell with some of our listeners, uh, started by R.C. Sproul a long time ago. I believe they're actually located down somewhere near where Linda is. I think they're in the Orlando, greater Orlando area but I could be wrong. They started about two hours from where I'm at. They started in Ligonier, PA, um, but it's a combination between Ligonier and Lifeway Research, and they survey 
um, people and try to get a state of theology. What do people believe? And recently, the 2022 results came out. Uh, they surveyed uh, slightly over 3,000 people. Um, the people were asked to agree uh, on how they or how they would agree with the following statements. The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. It is important for me to personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus as their Savior. Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. And fourth, only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. So they were asked then a bunch of questions, and we want to think about the state of theology, where people are particularly, but also think about what this means for our students, for our listeners, thinking through the students that we minister to, where might they fall, how might they answer these questions. So I thought a good place for us to start um, is one, if you are listening, maybe pause, go to the show notes and pull up this document. Unless you're driving, then just keep driving and do it later. But first, maybe just uh, us answering this question as we think about the Ligonier Statement of Theology uh, 2022, what seems most encouraging or surprising? And I figured, Linda, let's start with you. What seems most encouraging or surprising about the results of this research project? Yeah, I can name two things. Um, I would say, first of all, one of the statements that they were asked to respond to was every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. And I don't know what the experience of our listeners is, but reading that statement, I thought that there would be a pretty low level of evangelicals um, that agreed with that. And I was surprised to find that there were actually 68% that agreed with it. Um, like that actually felt encouraging, um, even though it could be a lot higher. Um, now I would say like maybe people, um, see a difference in, uh, joining a local church and the importance of being actively engaged and involved with that church. Um, but at least seeing membership joining it, um, as something they should do. Um, sounds like a really good starting place. So that felt, um, to me, an encouraging number. I thought it would be much lower. Um, Linda, can I ask you a question real quick yeah. about that? Uh, I think you mentioned on a previous episode that in your church, students can become members of your church or are they junior members or what does that look like at your church? Yeah. Yeah. They can become members. And how about you, Matt? Can students become members at your church? Yeah, once they profess faith, they um, are considered um, full members of our church. They're considered members before they profess faith if they're children of uh, believing spouses, as 1 Corinthians 7 tells us. Yeah, so they can become members. Here at our church, we have to be, students <laughs> have to be 18 to become members. And as oh. uh, as that is, we like to educate kids about what church membership is, but then have them decide when they're older However, one thing that I, I'm just contemplating, as you said that, Linda, is this idea of church membership, which I am 1,000% in, I think it's biblical, is if students come to faith, let's say in high school right now, uh, I've been surprised that I have some students coming to our youth ministry who aren't believers. They're not even familiar with the Bible at all. One kid told me the other day he's never been to church before, and he thought that I would wear all black and a white collar because that's what he mm. saw in the movies. Like. And so mm -hmm. I'm just thinking like church membership for this kid 
if he would look at church membership as church, like a gym membership, you pay to do it, but you never go or like just. I'm just thinking about the importance of teaching our students what church membership actually is. But Linda, why don't you continue there? Uh, as you think about, the, you said you had a second, either encouraging or surprising uh, thing from the survey. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a lot of things we could point out, but it was really interesting. A lot of them gave kind of the history of how did people respond to this in 2016, 2018, 2020, 2022. Some even went back to 2014. But there was one that had a huge jump, I thought, from 2020 to 2022. It jumped up 14%. And that was um, responding to the statement, God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. There were 56% of evangelicals that agreed with that statement in 2022. And so I was like, wow, like that's a 14% a jump is huge in two years. Like what what's going on there that was just yeah. surprising to see yeah and if we think about just answering that question like the they accept the worship of all of these religions we know that doesn't even like just a clear reading of the bible that doesn't even make sense so i would think maybe there's a correlation between christians gaining their view of god through culture rather than through what the bible actually teaches matt do you want to respond to that why why you might see these trends growing that way um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think one of the things that just pops out and it answers this question too, is there's just a decidedly non-Trinitarian understanding of who God is, you know? And so when I hear God, all Christians should hear God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. And so by very definition, the worship of someone who does not believe in God, the son or God, the Holy spirit is not worshiping God <laughs> because it, 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 the question is, well, which God are you talking about? You know, and that's a little, that's a little strongly worded, I know, but I think it's really important to say we're a Trinitarian religion. And, and so that actually pops out in a lot of places. Like for instance, Jesus is a great teacher, but not, but not actually God is something that a lot of uh, evangelicals agreed with that statement. Um, so Jesus's divinity is, is under question, which is clearly not the teaching of, of scripture. And it's just surprising if we could get our Trinity, if we could understand what the Trinity is, God, the Father, God, the Son, Holy Spirit, that would help us in a lot of ways in our answering these questions. Yeah. And one resource that I, I know that one of my coworkers has found super helpful is I believe uh, Dr. Michael Reeves wrote a book, Delighting in the Trinity. And I just recommend that uh, that'll be in our show notes. But just as we think about that, that would be one resource uh, just to help understand how God is Trinity and how even though the word Trinity isn't in the Bible, that God is Trinity and we need to know who we're worshiping. Um, when I think about all of the different results here in this statement, uh, one that is just shocking to me is uh, question 29. Religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. And uh, over 50%, nearly 60% agree with that statement which honestly is scary because so much in our culture is about feeling. How do you feel? What do you dream that you want to do one day, right? Follow your heart, but there has to be objective truth and the objective truth has to be Jesus, right? The, the easiest example of that, John 14, Jesus doesn't claim to be a truth. He claims to be the truth, uh, but we could go to many other places. Um, even the fact that people who claim that there's this, um, you know, you have your own truth, I have my own truth, like those are objective statements. 
And so as we think about student ministry, that's one um, one that I found, uh, I think, surprising, uh, definitely not encouraging. Another one uh, would be that gender identity is a matter of choice. Uh, 24% strongly agree, 18% somewhat agree, 13% somewhat disagree, 38% strongly disagree. That's good. That gender identity is a matter of choice. That's good. 38% strongly disagree with that. Um, but I think it just shows us um, even as we kind of uh, transition this conversation to what seems to match uh, with students that we're working with, uh, I think gender identity, sexuality, these topics, um, these are theological topics, right? The Bible speaks to sexuality. The Bible speaks to gender. And if only 38% of evangelicals strongly agree that gender identity um, or strongly disagree that gender identity is a matter of choice, uh, we, we have our work cut out. And we need to be teaching. Um, we need to be teaching on this stuff uh, probably more than what we currently are. Yeah, Matt, do you have, want to add to that? Yeah, I. Yeah, th- this is really interesting too. Just on this question of of sexuality, is that ninety four percent of U.S. evangelicals agreed that sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin, and then abortion is a sin. Um, 91% agreed with that. Now that's, it's really interesting to me because you would, you would on surface value say, well, that's a good thing, right? That's the Bible teaches those things. That's good. What I would question is how come so many U.S. evangelicals have those ethics correct, but have no idea who God is? Yeah. And what does that mean? What does that mean for the timber, the, the cultural, the ethos of our evangelical community? I'm actually kind of worried that that's that there's the reason that is, is it is because we tend to be a very legalistic and socially con, uh, concerned people who are less concerned about worshiping uh, the God who is there. So, Matt, and so are you uh, are you saying that it's possible because I think I agree that m- more people who are claiming to be Christians and maybe in this sense, they're using the word evangelicals today are more concerned how their actions fit within the culture or more concerned how like that looks like rather than basing it on what they believe in God's word. Yeah, that that's exactly right. Like I totally agree. Abortion is a sin. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's what the Bible tells us and sex outside of marriage is a sin. And so we want those numbers to be high, but we just want them to flow out of hearts of worship, um, not flowing out of a particular, um, you know, like trying to be in with our group. Yeah. You know, it's about trying to, <laughs> it's about, it's about conforming our, our lives to who God is not conforming our ethics to, to the in-group mentality. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's what the heartbeat of this podcast is, right? The word in youth ministry, we're now 41 episodes in and like, we want to build our youth ministries on God's word because so much is changing in our culture right? The people who aren't basing their beliefs off of God's word, but are basing them on what might be better or what might make them popular, right? The, the winds of culture are changing, but God's word never changes. So uh, this is why it's worth considering these things because we're setting trajectories for teenagers right now. All the teenagers that are in our youth ministries, even if we were to think about those at my church and at Linda's church and Matt at your church, um, this is potentially hundreds of students that we're setting their trajectory for them on, are we teaching that we get our convictions from God's word or from culture? And this, this is showing us it's worth the fight. Yeah, Matt, continue. Yeah, just, yeah, just one more thing too on that is that 
if our if and I think this is just what you're saying, but if our plausibility structure is the in-group mentality um, for our young people, that it's going to fall apart at some point if it's just an ethical an, an ethical decision based on the in-group mentality that's going to fall apart. But if it's based on who God is and His Word, it's not going to fall apart when it gets challenged. Yeah, and I mean, this is what I think we have been getting wrong for so long. I preached in our main service uh, this past weekend, Acts chapter four, Peter and John are in prison and God releases them from prison and they pray for more boldness. But I just, you know, I'm trying to remind my students all the time. And I told the church this, that, you know, if, if, if the world hated Jesus, it makes sense. They're going to hate his followers. And so often, and even as we sift through some of this data here in this Ligonier state of theology, 2022, we need to make sure we're basing our beliefs off the Bible because the world's not going to like us. Like we should not be surprised. I mean, Jesus himself said something similar to that, but I mean, it's just logical. If they, if they kill Jesus, they're not going to like his followers. Um, and so we just need to keep running that through our minds. Uh, Linda, as we think about some of what you shared and what we're talking about, just what seems in this document to match what we're seeing with students, uh, maybe even students that you're particularly working with, does anything come to mind here? Yeah, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but just seeing how over the past several years, there have been um, some pretty big shifts in the matters of gender identity and homosexuality, where um, even like, like culturally and within um, evangelical spheres, people are more and more adopting um, kind of the cultural narrative on those things that I'm, I'm definitely seeing that with students. Yeah. And is this something I know that, uh, as we've talked before, God has given you a gift, I think that you have over the time, you've been able to see this in different churches. Is this something you're particularly seeing more recent? Or have you seen this trend over time? You know, I actually um, had conversations kind of about this and kind of about some mental health stuff um, not too long ago with people where I was trying to figure out, is this, um, is the increase I'm seeing right now mostly an increase of me changing locations? You know, I came here about a year and a half ago, or um, is this happening everywhere? And, um, you know, I think that there are some places where it's definitely happening more than others. Um, and I think I happen to be in a place where both mental health struggles and the sexuality sorts of things are on the rise more so than say some other, um, places I've been across the Bible belt kind of areas of the South. Um, Orlando is a place where, you know, you think about the shooting, um, at the, um, the gay bar, the pride, um, thing like several years ago, um, it's just, it's very much, um, in the culture, um, influencing people here, but at the same time, um, you know, I look at back at students I've had from previous youth groups that, um, years out of like, they've gone to college and then past college. And a lot of them have moved more in the direction of where the culture is going to. Um, so it's not just location specific necessarily. Um, it's, uh, something we didn't talk about as much previously in some of my previous youth groups. 
Yeah. And that's a, I think a good reminder for our listeners that, you know, we find ourselves in different settings. I mean, even some of the people who have uh, emailed us questions or comments, uh, which again, we'd love to hear from our listeners, the word in YM at cpyu.org, send us a question, send us a comment, but like are from different areas, right? Even different, different countries on this continent. And, uh, but no matter what area our listeners are, the students we work with, the problem isn't out there. The problem's in here. It's in the human heart. And uh, that's a that's a good word for us. Um, one thing that I wanted to share as I think about my own students, uh, just one thing uh, that I think is super important is we need to teach our students uh, biblical criticism. And by that, I I probably wouldn't even use the term biblical criticism with them. I would just tell them we need to know what we actually believe about the Bible. And there's two questions here. One of them, the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. Another one, the Bible is 100% accurate in all that it teaches. Like there are these questions that are in this survey. And honestly, it doesn't even matter how people responded in this survey. Uh, but both of these topics are important that we need to teach our students. And there's two books that I want to recommend our listeners, one of them by a guy named Michael Kruger, He's the president of Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, uh, book Surviving Religion 101. Uh, he's got a lot of good stuff uh, answering questions, and uh, I'm planning on using it to teach. I have it here on my desk, but he touches on that. Another book that I think we've mentioned before, and I will mention um, every episode if necessary, uh, Can We Trust the Gospels by a guy named Peter J. Williams, a uh, book not written directly to students. Um, but really answers the question that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can trust them. And if we can trust them, that means we can trust Jesus. Uh, that's a book I've read with two students last year and found it, found it super helpful. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, think through a little bit more of this uh, Ligonier uh, state of theology and think about how it continues to affect the students that we are working with. So we'll be right back. I often hear grandparents say how glad they are that they don't have to raise kids in today's world. While these comments might not be very encouraging to those of us who are parents or who are doing youth ministry with kids today, they do recognize the fact that there are lots of confusing and dangerous cultural realities that kids need to navigate if they are going to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. In an effort to provide parents and youth workers with an easy-to-use tool designed to help kids find their way through the choices they face in today's world, I've written a new little book that can be used individually or in small groups, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. It's the shortest book I've ever written, but it's the one I believe will have the greatest impact in terms of discipling the emerging generations. If you want to teach your kids how to live in today's culture while following God's will and way, check out this new little book, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. You can learn more and order copies at cpyu.org. And we're back on episode 41 of the Word in Youth Ministry, thinking of the Ligonier State of Theology 2022 and thinking specifically what it means for our students. And as we continue this conversation, uh, I was reminded as we started, just how much is happening in our culture and the teenagers that were uh, called to lead and teach and guide and protect, um, they are living in a age unlike any age before. And I just wanted to mention one of our resources at the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, who is hosting this podcast, 
um, is at our website, cpyu.org. There's a youth culture news section where um, there are just curated articles, articles that are throughout all the internet that uh, talk about trends and news stories and just what is happening in team culture. And again, I, I don't think we should build our youth ministry uh, based on what's happening in the culture. I think we should build our youth ministry on the Bible. That's the whole point of this podcast. But I do think we need to, as we're ministering to students, be aware of the lives that they are living and where in the, the culture they are living in. And I just wanted to recommend uh, to our listeners, go to cpyu.org and check out the youth culture news section. So as we think about the Ligonier State of Theology and consider what it means for our students, uh, I, I think a good place for us to land this plane. And Linda, let's start with you. Um, thinking of these findings and what this looks like, like how can these uh, statistics cause us and our listeners to pray for the next generation? And what, what can that look like? I was thinking about exactly what Matt pointed out earlier, that it seems like evangelicals are very clear on the fact that sex outside of marriage is sin and that abortion is sin, but we are very unclear on who is God. And we're unclear on things like, are the scriptures trustworthy? Is Jesus God? Is God sovereign? Right. And it, to me, that just feels like a recipe for disaster to say like, Hey, we are really good at pointing out two sins, but we don't know who God is, what his heart is like anything. And so when we, when that's what we're good at, like we probably will tend to use that knowledge of what those two sins are and like weaponize it against others. Right. And like that, I think is not the way of Christ. And I would want to pray against that for our students that they would actually know who God is and not just use this very, you know, small amount of religious knowledge they have to point and shame people um, out of two particular sins. Yeah. What a great prayer request. And I think one that as, as we consider this, uh, again, I, I feel like a broken record, but like these are trajectories that are being set in our students. And if we can think with them right now how to do that and pray that God would allow that to happen, uh, this can really change not only their current state, but how they live, Lord willing, for the decades ahead. Matt, what would you think about prayer requests for the next generation based on this conversation? I think I would pray that churches um, are more committed to to not to church growth, but to making disciples. Actually, the best foundation for good church growth is is solid disciples. And um, so, yeah, I just I mean, I, I think the prayer is is that we would really care about teaching people <laughs> who God is. I mean, I, it's very much like what it, what Linda's saying, but that we're in our in American evangelicalism, we we really are have tried to maximize how to get um, you know money in the coffers and 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 heinies in the pews. Um, I say heinies because I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. So, but you know, we're we're good at that, and we feel like we have the the right marketing techniques to do it. But um, that is just that's just not a solid foundation for 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 good growth. Like we want to grow because we want people to go know Jesus. But we just yeah. have to do such do so in a way that people are truly being discipled in who who God is. And um, and this is telling me that we're not doing that very well. Yeah. And I think mine goes along with both of yours. I would just pray that we can train up the next generation to have a clear reading of the scripture, that there are times we need to go in the weeds. There are times we need to teach apologetics. There are times that we need to do that. But so oftentimes today, 
we can try to be fancy or we can end up accidentally falling into legalism. But if we can just teach students to read the Bible and with the Spirit's help apply the Bible to our lives, um, I think we're going to not only see a change with the next generation, but hopefully a change with the generations that come after because we know um, Psalm 78 uh, we pour into the next generation so that they will pour into the next generation. And uh, we're blessed that uh, for the three of us and for those listening that God has called us and allowed us to pour into the next generation. So this has been episode 41 of the Word and Youth Ministry. I hope that it's been an encouragement to you. Um, I'd encourage you to follow the show notes to the, the different resources that have been mentioned. Uh, maybe check out the Ligonier State of Theology 2022 and think through how um, the findings of that can help us think more strategically about the students that God has called us to minister to. So this has been episode 41, and Lord willing, we'll be with you next time. Thanks for listening to The Word in Youth Ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.